0: It's time to hit the road, leave it all behind, and wonder where this journey will take you. Well, good morning, everybody. That was a hearty good morning. Thank you for talking to me like that. That was wonderful. My name is Chris Gresseth. I am the worship pastor here at the church, and normally I get to do a lot of music. So if I just break into song all of a sudden, just go along with that, okay? Just go along with me. Um, But today I get the opportunity to talk to you, and I'm so excited to dive into God's Word. But before we do that, can we tell the band and the tech crew thank you for everything that they have provided for us this morning. Thank you for leading us in worship, guys. I'm very grateful to you, guys and gals. You know, as we were worshiping and as I was hearing your voices, I was just, I was trying to listen to the Spirit of God, and I had this sense that some of us in the room this morning could use some encouragement. So I just want to take a moment before we dive into this message and just try to encourage you for a moment. Did you know this? That God is for you, that He's not against you, that if God be for you and the world be against you, it doesn't matter. God is for you. He is with you. Would you say this after me? This is the day that the Lord has made. Very good. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, since this is the day that the Lord has made, he has thought of you in it. Think of that. There's seven billion of us, and he created a new day, and he has thought of you in it. You are alive. Just, just elbow the person next to you and say, you're alive, aren't you? You're alive, aren't you? You have breath in your lungs this morning. When you walked into church, the sunlight hit your arms, hit your face. It, that sunlight was eight minutes ago burning on the sun But this morning, it was warming your skin. It was making your grass grow, and you'll mow it later. God bless us all that do that. And uh, the trees are, are, are growing, and flowers are in bloom. And you know what? In this moment, you have all you need. In this moment. Let's not think about next week. Let's not be in last week. Let's just, for this moment, be right here. Did you know that God's presence dwells in the present? Think about that, because you only dwell in the present right here. This is the only place you can be right now in this moment. God is with you. God is with us. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The things that are impossible with man are possible with God. That's good news for us this morning. I hope that encourages your heart. If you believe that, would you say amen? Okay, very good. We are in a, in a series called Road Trip, and um, we have been all throughout the scriptures, and you might have noticed this beautiful car behind me. It's Nomad, 1959 Nomad. Uh, in my family, we had a car that was a similar size, maybe one inch smaller, but we would go on road trips, and you know how it goes. You just lay the seats down and play Monopoly. Anybody else do that? Yeah, that's the way we did it. And we went all over. I remember going through Yellowstone like that and singing God Bless America at the top of my lungs. Yeah, I was that guy. And... Um, a lot of great road trip experiences. I just went on a road trip this past week up to the Boundary Waters. I got a picture for you. Check it out. We are in the Boundary Waters. There we are, four of us. And uh, you're thinking, are you really wearing skinny jeans in the Boundary Waters? I am. That's all I have, folks. That's all I have. Now, No mosquitoes can get up there, you see? So, uh, but anyway, there we are. We are paddling. If you don't know what the Boundary Waters is, are, uh, you paddle for hours. So if my arms are looking bigger to you this morning, you know why. All right, Because I've been paddling for days and days on end, and how, you know one thing that we all learn when we go on a road trip is you see uh, the world around you a bit different. you see yourself different, the people that you're with a bit different, and you also see, begin to see God a little bit different. The boundary waters is a beautiful place. I'm grateful that it's in our state. If you ever get the opportunity to go, I'd say, go for it, but work out first, if you know what I'm saying. All right um, But in the church, we are also in road trip. We have been looking at real lives. We often call them stories because they are stories, but I want to remind you, these are real people, real lives. Archaeology points to these people being very real. These are real lives, real people who went through real struggles, and when they went on their road trip, they came to an intersection where they met God. And I would sum every story up like this, that at every intersection with God, when they begin to look at God, God is different than they thought. That's good news. oftentimes I think we can try to mold God into our own image that's not so good we try to mold God into what we think God is like but what we need to do is look at God and say God I want to be molded in your image I want to be molded into the person that you are would you help me with that so at every story we see that God is different than they thought I would just sum it up and think this God is more loving God is more grace-filled he is much more merciful God heard them when he when people thought that God didn't care God did hear them. God saw them right where they are. These are some of the ways that God was different than they thought. Now today, in our our story, in this real life story, I hope that as we look into the scriptures that God is maybe just a little bit different than we think. Today, this isn't a story about God. This is a story about Jesus, who is God. We believe that, right? We're Christians, which means to say that we believe Jesus when he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father. We are one. So today, we are looking at God. You don't have to imagine what God's like anymore. We're going to look right at him. And that is good news today. So if you have your Bible, would you open it up to Luke chapter 24? This is maybe the most famous of all roads in scripture. This is the road to Emmaus. Would you say that word Emmaus with me? Emmaus. Very good. Road to Emmaus. It really is one of the most famous, probably the most famous road in all of scripture. Luke 24 verse 13. And here's what we're going to do today. Here's the big plan. I'm, we are going to read almost a whole chapter of Scripture right up here at the top, okay? So I'm going to ask for your best thinking, your best attention, because the content that we go through here in the next just couple moments is going to be what we talk about the whole rest of the morning. This is just kind of like a big Bible study uh, this morning, but I really think God's going to use it in your life, encourage you in that. So let's stick with me uh, as we read this Scripture. Let's stay together, all right? Here we are, uh, t- t- Luke 24, verse 13. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Let's pause there for a moment. So they have these people, they're talking, Jesus comes next to him, and then this verse is interesting here. It says, but God kept them from recognizing him. So I did some study on this verse, because I thought it was a little interesting. Why would God keep them from recognizing him? Now, you might know this, but the New Testament, meaning the second half of the Bible, is all written in Greek. So we have translations of that. Now, the translation we're reading today is called the NLT. It's a great translation, and I love that. But this is the only translation that translates this verse that way. Every other translation says it simply this way their eyes were kept from recognizing him. But it doesn't attribute to why their eyes were kept. It, they don't attribute it to God. And I went back to the Greek and looked at these words, and you know what? They don't attribute it to God either. So I would, I would suggest this to us today. As we read the rest of this story, I think you're gonna notice something. The possibly, the, probably the greatest reason why they couldn't recognize God in the moment was because of their own perception of God. It was because of their own understanding of God in that moment. But as we see, Jesus is going to come alongside and help them understand who he is for real. Okay? So there's a little commentary on that verse. Let's start in verse 17. Let's keep going here. He asked them, meaning Jesus, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped. Short sadness written across their face. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all the things that have happened there the last few days. Ah. What things, Jesus asked. The things happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet. I imagine them just being sad and saying this. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped. Would you say those three words? We had hoped he was the Messiah Messiah means saving one who had come to rescue Israel see they wanted to be rescued in their own people group there this happened three days ago verse 22 then some women from our group from his followers were at the tomb early this morning and they came back with this amazing report they said the body was missing and that they had seen angels who had told them Jesus is alive okay pause there You recognize that this story, the road of Emmaus, this is Easter day. So we know what happens Easter morning. You know the account, right? It was early in the morning and some women went to the tomb, the Bible says, and the stone was rolled away and the angels were there and said, what you looking for? He's not here. Jesus is alive. Now, the interesting thing here is that these two, even though they had that report, they didn't stick around to see. They didn't stick around to see Jesus. They got out of Dodge. That is interesting. That's going to play a role in everything we talk about. So keep that in mind. They jetted, but Jesus went to find them. I think that is so important. What we're talking about today is the Easter story. This is Easter day. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 24. So some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people! You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly presented that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of the Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures, those are the same scriptures that you hold in your hand here, that's the first half of the Bible, that's what Jesus took them through and says this, he explained from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's really important. He opened the scriptures to the things concerning himself himself. Verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if they were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went into the home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he being Jesus, he took bread and blessed it. Interesting. Then he broke it, and then he gave it to them. Have you ever heard that before? And suddenly, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. Awesome. At that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, oh, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within that hour, it would have been nighttime by now, within that hour, they were back to Jerusalem. They ran back. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord really has risen. He appeared even to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. I've got a bonus verse for you. I wish I would have put this one on the slide, but I didn't. It says this, and just as they were talking about it, Jesus himself suddenly was standing among them, and he said, peace to you. Would you say that word? Peace. Come on, one more time. Peace. I love that. The effect of Jesus with us was peace. This is an amazing story. Way to go, by the way, on sticking with us through a lot of scripture there. We're just going to walk through this and see what the Holy Spirit might have for us today as we, as we talk through this. The first thing that we notice is that these were followers. These just weren't fans. Oftentimes we say this around here. We don't want to be fans of Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus. These people were followers. There was two of them here, and they probably had been following Jesus his whole three-year ministry. Which means they were probably up in the Galilee area. They were probably there for the feeding of the five thousand. That's probably why they recognized him right in that moment. It's one of the reasons, anyway. We'll get to other reasons in a moment. But they were followers. They probably heard the Sermon on the Mount. They probably heard "Love your enemies." They probably heard pray for those who despitefully use you. They probably saw Jesus invite different people into conversation and meals. They probably saw all that, but there was something that they couldn't just quite get over, and they alluded to it here in the scriptures: is that they had hoped that he was the Messiah, the one who would rescue Israel. A couple things there: they had hoped, they had hoped, and now they're disappointed. That he, because he looked like a failed Messiah. See, all along the ministry, as they were following Jesus, Jesus could draw a huge crowd. But when it came time for Jesus to actually start the revolution, when it came time to actually bear arms, when it came time for everybody to kind of stand up and fight at that time against the Romans, Israel had had a long history of being ruled by other people. They wanted to be by themselves. They wanted to have their own freedom. And who doesn't? They wanted to make Israel great again, a lot like it was back in David's time or Solomon's time. They said, yes, let's make Israel great. They wanted their economy to be great. They wanted the military again. This is what they wanted. But you know what? Jesus just wouldn't do it. They wanted the Messiah, but it just wasn't quite looking right. Jesus wouldn't get the revolution started. Matter of fact, at one point, they wanted to make him king, so they just tried to force him to be king, and Jesus just slipped right on through their midst. He says, and he went away. Jesus wasn't going to be their king that way. Jesus was riding, finally, after three years, one week before the story that we just read, he was riding into the capital city. If there was ever a time to start the revolution, it was going to be going to the capital city and you could tell that things were just ramping up at that point. Jesus had just raised a man from the dead. There was huge crowds, and Jesus was riding into the city. But these followers, they just couldn't quite get it because why would Jesus not ride a horse? Why wouldn't he ride a tank of his day? That's what the horses were. They weren't just beautiful, majestic animals. They were like the tank of their day. Jesus wouldn't ride into Jerusalem on that. Well, how did he ride? He came in riding a donkey. This animal, this burden, that, or this, this uh, beast that would serve people, carry their burdens. Jesus rode that kind of animal. And as they waved their palm branches, Jesus cried. and he said, "I wish you knew the things that make for peace." They were wanting the revolution to start. They started waving palm branches. The last time that that had happened in Israel's history was with this guy about 100 years ago named Judas Maccabeus. Really interesting. What he did is they waved their palm branches for him too. And they said, go Judas, go, 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 go. And so Judas did start a revolution. He started a revolution so much that people began to fight for him. They killed lots of people. They really almost overthrew the occupants at that point. His most effective victory was this. Now get this, see the irony in this. His most effective victory was the victory of Emmaus. That's the exact road that we're talking about today. Here they are walking this Emmaus road where the last great guy that, that, that was gonna start the revolution, Judas Maccabeus, had his greatest victory. It'd be like if I said, hey, let's go walk the road to Gettysburg. You know exactly what happened in Gettysburg. That's what was going on here. They were walking the road to Emmaus. They had thought that God was for sure about their country, that God was for sure about their people group. And yes, that God was gonna come and rescue them and he was gonna kill their enemies. But you know what? God did come and said, this is what I'm like. I am about mercy, not sacrifice. I am about loving enemies, not smiting enemies. Let's pray for our enemies. Let's love, let's absorb the blow. And Jesus that week, He rode into the capital city and he didn't produce any kind of blow. He didn't start an army, a revolution. He absorbed the blows, if you will, of the enemy. His followers didn't quite get it. Even on the the, the night in which he was betrayed, you know the story, Judas, Judas Iscariot, came into the garden that night and earlier the disciples said, hey, should we take up arms? Literally, they said, it's now the time to bear arms. And Jesus said, no. But there they were. And here comes the people that arrest Jesus, and here comes Judas and gives him a kiss. And what happens? His follower, Peter, takes out a sword, lops a man's ear off, which means he was going for his head. He wasn't going for his ear, folks. He was going for his head, and what does Jesus do? reaches down and grabs this ear and puts it on the enemy and loves this guy named Melchus. His followers just didn't get it. All right, Jesus, whatever. Be handed over. No revolution. Fine. Have it your way. Jesus goes. He's whipped. He's beaten. He doesn't stand up for himself. He doesn't try to prove his own point. At one point, Pilate comes to him and said, do you realize that I have the power to kill you? And Jesus says, it's fine. Because Jesus knows knows a different truth. Jesus knows the truth, that life can be everlasting, that death is just an enemy that's just about to be defeated. And they nailed him to a cross, and there were no followers there except John and the women, Scripture says. These two that we're talking about today on the road of Emmaus, they weren't there. None of the other disciples were there. Peter wasn't there. They didn't get it. They didn't. didn't, I almost wonder if they didn't want to believe in a Messiah like that. So Jesus dies, and he's buried there. And Jesus had said, I'll rise again in three days. Thank God for the women who went back to the tomb early that morning and saw that the stones rolled away. And the angel said, he's alive, folks. He's alive. He's alive, and he'll be alive forevermore. He's alive here in this moment. Today, as we sit here, he's alive. But these disciples, these two followers, they got out of Dodge. They didn't want to follow Somebody like that. They didn't want to... They didn't think God was like that. They didn't think a Messiah should be like that. So they got out of Dodge. They had hoped. Now let's pause our story here for a moment and let's talk about ourselves. They had hoped. What are you hoping for? What have you hoped for in your life that didn't turn out the way you would wanted it to? Is everything in your life just going the way you hoped it would go? If not, then you are on the road of Emmaus. What were they hoping for? They were hoping that their life would turn out different. They were hoping that their country would be different. They were hoping that God would be different. Ultimately, they were hoping Jesus would be different. They were disappointed on all four accounts. Disappointed with what happened in life. Are you disappointed with what's going on in your life right now? In any area. Job, marriage, desires, dreams. Are you let down? Are you disappointed? It's OK if you are. It's a real emotion that we should acknowledge that. Are you disappointed with what's going on in our country right now at any level? It's OK if you are. How about God? Do you feel like God's let you down any? Have you wrestled with the things of Jesus before? Do you feel like you're just missing opportunity, missing hopes there. It's not coming through. If that's the truth, then you are on the road to Emmaus this morning. There's two followers there. Only one is listed. One's Cleopas. The other one is not named. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. There's a great artist. His name is Jason Upton. He's a guy I love to listen to. I would commend him to you to listen to. He's a worship leader. He wrote about a song about this story. and He says this. Have you ever had to say goodbye to a hero? Have you ever had to lay aside your dreams? Have you ever been so lonely that the stranger becomes your best friend? And you know what the road of Emmaus means. Have you ever been so angry at your country? Have you ever been angry at your God? Have you ever been so angry that you can't see what's right in front of you? Then, if so, you are on the road to Emmaus. The one thing that I want us to just acknowledge here in this moment is I want us to opt into the story. I'm hoping that you have self-identified something in your life that says, you know what, I got some disappointment here. I got something there. And I want you to place yourself on this road. Because when you place yourself on this road trip to Emmaus, you're going to find that Jesus is with you. The one thing that they got right, and if you're taking notes, I'm going to ask you a question here in a moment. I'd like you to write this question down. The thing that they got right was that they began to talk about it. They had conversation about it, the two of them together. They had conversation about it. So here's my question. Who are you having conversations with? Who are you talking through your disappointments with? Who are you working out your hopes and your dreams with? You know, to be honest, I was up in the Boundary Waters this week. That was, part, that was part of what was going on there. I was grateful to spend some time with those guys because, to be honest with you, I had to talk through a few things in my life. That's not why I went on the trip, but, you know, the moment presented itself, and I said, hey, guys, this, yeah, this is kind of what's going on in my life, and I kind of wish things were this way, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? And you know what? They encouraged me. They did the same thing back to me, and, and it was just a good thing. It was a healing thing. It was helpful to us to work out Jesus and God Church, nation, individual issues together in conversation. So who are you doing that with? The good news is is that when we start having conversations like this, when we start talking, particularly wrestling with what's going on with Jesus, Jesus just shows right on up. Jesus just comes alongside and walks with us. Have you ever read the Gospels? Jesus is always walking with people. If you are walking and having conversation about Jesus, Jesus says, when two or more are gathered there in my name, having conversation in my name, there I am in the midst of them. If you want Jesus to be with you, just start talking about him with somebody. And I think what you will find is that Jesus is all of a sudden right there with you. Even if you can't quite see him, he's there with you, he's there with you. We can trust that. So the first thing they got right was that they had conversation about it. And I encourage you to do that. I commend that to you. Have conversations about it. Let's work through some of this stuff. The second thing that happened was that Jesus then spoke up and he opened the scriptures. All right? He opened the scriptures, but he opened the scriptures in light of Jesus. The way it specifically says it is that he opened their mind to the scriptures concerning himself. Now, here's the thing. Even after conversation about Jesus, about your country, about your own issues, you'll have a lot of good thoughts and there'll be encouragement there. But ultimately, the answers come from another source. Ultimately, the answers are going to come from Jesus, hopefully. The answers that stick with us, the answers that produce flourishing in our life. That's the kind of answer that comes from Jesus and comes from His Word. So He opened their mind to the Scriptures. Now, hey, they already knew the Scriptures. Are you with me? They knew the Scriptures. But they hadn't been reading them right. Because listen, the scriptures have to change in light of Jesus. They, they they looked back here and they thought they knew what the Messiah was all about. But now that God had come and showed us really what God is like and who the true Messiah is, you have to reread your scriptures in light of Jesus. Christians, this is so important. You need to read your scriptures through the lens of Jesus. Jesus taught us to do this. He said, okay, you have heard it said back here, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, what do you say? You know the answer? Love your enemies. So back here in this side of the scriptures, it says, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Now I don't want to bag on that. I don't want to say that's all wrong because Earlier back here, there was this guy named Moloch, and what he did is he said, okay, if you have vengeance on me, I'm going to have seven times more vengeance on you. So when it came time for violence in the world, Moloch, he, he, he was all about seven times more, and then Moses comes along a little bit further here, says, okay, hold on, the seven times thing, let's not do that anymore. Let's do the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing. Okay? So that's, that's some improvement. Yes, thumbs up? Okay? But Christians, we're not following that. We are Christians. You are Christian, I think. I am trying to be. By the power of Christ, I'm trying to live out his life. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Jesus says, forgive those. Jesus says, if somebody takes from you, what do they actually need? Give them what they need. This is a whole new way of thinking. You have to read your scriptures in light of Jesus. If you're reading back here in the Old Testament and you think, in the first part of the Bible, and you start thinking, you know what? This doesn't look like God. This doesn't, I don't know about that. Well, what do you do? Enter into conversation like they do in Emmaus. Enter into that conversation and look at Jesus' life and say, what lines up with Jesus? What did he do in his life? That's what I'm going to do. Amen. You will find what they found. Your heart will start beating Your life will become a blaze. Your heart, they literally said, didn't our hearts burn within us? What was happening when their hearts were burning? They were becoming the light of the world. Folks, if you want to become the light of the world, live the way Jesus did. If you want to be a light to your family, to your community. See, some of you are smiling at me right now because you're getting it. If you want to be the light to the world, if you want to have your heart ablaze, you've got to read the scriptures through Jesus. You've got to live out his life, and you don't have to do it alone. He's going to empower you to do the whole thing. We'll get to that in about three minutes. Okay? Isn't that good? So number one, the first thing they got right was they had conversation very good next thing that they did was they opened the scriptures in light of jesus their minds were open to that next thing that happened was that they invited the stranger in would you write that down if you're taking notes they invited the stranger in now listen they didn't say to the stranger hey you this is the way i believe would you please believe that before you come into my house no they said why don't you go and come on in (laughs) remember they were followers right they were followers of jesus Jeez, I bet they learned this from Jesus. Jesus was always having meals with people he shouldn't be having meals with. They didn't believe the same thing. They were just straight up crooks. They, they just had straight up crazy lives. But Jesus said, hey, hey, you, can we have a meal together? It just blew people's minds. And I think these followers picked up on this and they thought, hey, this guy, he's got no place to stay tonight. Hey, you, I'm a follower of Jesus, trying to be, <laughs> come on in here. And you know what they did? That's when they recognized Jesus. I'm trying to get better I'm just gonna be honest with you, I'm trying to get better at this in my life. I'm trying to I'm, I'm literally my wife and I we are having conversations about who can we invite into our home, invite into our lives that are different than us, and who God could use. And we've been trying to do this, and here's here's what I'll just tell you the honest truth. Every person that we have done this with, we see Jesus in them. Here I thought they were really different, and I see Jesus in them. I think if you would give that a shot, I think you'll find. Jesus in these people. I think you'll all of a sudden say, you know what? I see the image of God in you. looks a little bit different than I thought, but you know what? I like it. I like you. Let's be on the journey together. So invite a stranger in. I just want to commend that to you. I want you to think about that, okay? Talk about that with who you're doing life with. Who could you invite in? But at another level, they invited Jesus in. (laughs) Write that down. Invite Jesus in. Circle it. Here's the interesting thing that happens when you invite Jesus in. When you invite Jesus in to be the guest in your life or the guest in your home, he becomes the host. Now see, they invited him in. They should be the ones who have the bread and give the bread. The people that did the inviting, right? They're the the ones who are doing the hosting. But Jesus, is unlike any other guest you will have, If you invite Jesus into your life, he becomes the host. He's the one who's going to serve you. He's the servant of all. He's going to serve you. He's going to give you the nourishment you need for your life. He's going to say, you know what? I've got something that you need here. You you look hungry. You look famished. You should take this in your life. If you want your life to flourish, if you want your life to grow, to have sustenance, invite Jesus in. He will serve you all the way. He will be the host of your life. He wants to give you what you need, but you have to invite him in. You might not know him very well right now, but invite him in. Maybe you've known him for years. Invite him in again. This whole weekend I've been praying up in the boundary waters. I kept praying, Lord, I just invite you in, I invite you in, I invite you in. Into my life again. Would you be the host of my life? I think if we do that as a people, man, what could happen? So what, what happens in the story? Jesus comes in, he gives them the bread. So interesting what happens. He first takes bread, and then he blesses it. It's almost as if he needs to renew it. It's almost as if he needs to make it new again. This food, and then he gives it to them. They eat and recognize him. Actually, even before they eat it, they recognize him. It literally says their eyes were open. Now, Luke is doing something. That's the writer of this gospel. He's doing something. He wants you to see something. So Jesus is now risen. He is a new creation. This is the first meal of a new creation. Okay, I really want you to get this. This is the first meal of a new creation. I think this is endlessly fascinating. First meal of a new creation, right here. And what he says is, their eyes were open. Now, what he's trying to do is he's trying to parallel that to the very first meal of creation in Genesis. What happens in Genesis? The very first, what happens in the first meal? Of course, God creates everything. We have man and woman who are our first parents, first man, first female. And what do they do? They take food that they're not supposed to have. They listen to the snake. They listen to the deceiver, the one who's lying to them. They buy into blaming God for something, and they, they bite it, and Scripture says their eyes are open. Now, what are their eyes open to in that moment, back here in the very first meal recorded in Scripture? Their eyes are open to their own nakedness. What's going on there? It says they're open to their own nakedness. They see each other naked and they are ashamed. And Scripture says that death enters into the garden. Death enters into the world from that point on. Oh, my goodness. Contrast that to what's going on in this story. After Christ is risen, after creation is set anew, it's starting to turn now. Jesus gives them the thing that they need. He blesses this food, gives it to them, and their eyes are open. And guess what? They are looking at the very person of life. They are looking at life and life to the fullest. They're looking at one who's never going to die. Back here, they realize the great enemy of humanity is death. Think about it. What would you, be, what would you have um, anxiety about if you couldn't die? Would you, would you have anxiety over the diagnosis that you received? Would you have anxiety over not having enough food or money? Would you have anxiety over the things that we have right now? We wouldn't because death is the great enemy. Think of war. What would war be like if you couldn't kill one another? The great powers that be in society, what could they do if they couldn't kill? So the story in Genesis says this, that our first parents had kids and the kids realized what was going on here. We could harness death. The two got in a fight and the one killed the other. Cain's the one who did the killing. He lived and he started a city. That's how the Bible says that all societies were built on. Who has the power to kill? But over here, all that gets erased. Jesus says, now I have conquered death. I have conquered the grave. It's not about the power to kill anymore. It's about the power to love. It's about life. It's about human flourishing. That's awesome, folks isn't it? The world is being set in a new way, the Jesus way. And what do they do? They jump up from their chair and they run into a dark night. They run to a dark world and they become the light of the world. They're literally, they see our hearts are burning and we're running into a dark world. And they proclaim, Jesus is alive. Death's not, death is defeated. Death's not the big thing anymore, folks. Jesus is alive. And as they proclaim with it, Jesus comes and he says, Don't we want peace in our world? Don't we want peace in our community? I got two kids. I want peace for them. I know you want peace. How does it happen? It happens through the Jesus way, folks. Through the Jesus way. I told you we'd get to this. I'm just going to mention it. The very ending of Luke, which is just one paragraph later, says this. Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Folks, we won't be able to live this life that we've been talking about today apart from the Holy Spirit. We need to invite Jesus in, and when Jesus comes in, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and empowers us to live the Jesus way. That's good news. I hope today that you've heard just a couple things. That if you are on a road of disappointment in life or in culture and nation, maybe with God, maybe with Jesus, let's get in conversation with one another on that. Let's see that Jesus is right there. Part of that might be at the end of the service day we'll have prayer ministers. Maybe you just need to come forward and say, you know what, I just need to have a conversation of prayer about this. Jesus will be there. For some of us, the next step is to open our scriptures in light of Jesus. Learn a few things. See what his answers are in light of Jesus' life, in light of his teachings, and begin to live that way. Invite him in. Let him empower us. Let our hearts be set aflame that we can be peace in the world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look to you. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for choosing life over death. Thank you for choosing life, not violence. Thank you for giving us peace. Thank you for giving us love. Thank you, Lord, for coming and showing us the true way. Lord, we want to be Christians. We want to follow you. Help us. Church, if you're open to this, would you just put your arms open like this? And and I'm going to I'm going to ask us, if you, if you would like to invite Jesus into your life anew and afresh. just say whatever words you want to around that. Say, Lord, I invite you in. Would you be the host of my life? Would you give me all that I need? Would you be the host of my life? Lord, I got a mic on, but here, I, I want to I do it personally, God. I want, Lord, I want you to be the host of my life again. Lord, hear all these other voices. Hear these hearts. Hear these minds saying this to you. Lord, would you truly come in and take up residence? And God, may our hearts burn. May we be, truly be the light of the world that you've called us to be. May we be empowered by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Would you stand up? I want to bless you and get you on your way. Thanks for being great listeners today, a great church. This is a powerful thing when we come together. I'm grateful that you're here. That's all right. I'm glad. All right, I want to bless you. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, may you have eyes to see all that Jesus is going to teach you this week. May you walk the road with Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, we'll see you next week. God bless you. Take care.